0: Hey, everybody, this is Jesse. I'm here to introduce a new Remembrancers Retreat podcast called Artificers Unplugged, which is hosted by William Lancaster of Lancaster Painting, where each month we sit down on Discord, talk and chat, and just bullshit about the hobby. So here's our first episode, and I uh, hope you enjoy.
1: Now recording. God,
0: uh, it's so creepy.
2: Every time I have to edit that out, Steven. And this whole cast is supposed to be unedited. Well, I can't have God, It's So Creepy be the first thing people hear every time they start the podcast, okay? Think of it like the. um... Is that our introduction song then? Yeah, it's the intro. Okay. Hey, that's fine. All right. We're sticking to it. All right. uh, Welcome to the uh, Artificer Unplug. This is a. podcast-based off of the Remembrances Retreat, where we talk about hobby, uh, and today we are going to be talking with, uh, we got Alex in the chat, we got Andrew Hollis in the chat, and we have uh, Stephen Campbell. Alex, what's your last name, so I can uh, uh, sort of dox you uh, later on?
3: Uh, Self?
2: So? You don't have to give it, man. I'm playing. All right, we're going to keep going. um So, yeah, uh, we're here talking with these fine folks. Um, Today's discussion topic is going to be what you do in the hobby that isn't initially like your first thought of the hobby. So this is stuff that's beyond painting or modeling. This is going to be stuff like, hey, do you – well, prime example, uh, do you set up websites for people to – Host their fluff on for their army. So, right away, Andrew, I want to bounce it to you. Um, Oz 30k, that's your brainchild, is that correct?
1: Uh, yeah, that's right. It's, um, kind of a community wiki that I set up quite a few years ago. Um, so kind of evolved from Oz 40k. <laughs> oh, I didn't
2: even know there was an Oz 40k. That's uh, pretty interesting. I remember seeing it on, um, Oh, what was that site that we, we used to go to a lot was uh, Warhammer Heresy 30k K. or Heresy 30k. Yes, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, like a forum. So I went to constantly.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one that I used to uh, used to. I still do. Uh, it's just those sort of forums don't get as much traffic as Facebook and stuff like now.
2: Yeah, I feel like around the time Betrayal of health came out, you started seeing a lot more Facebook groups getting made. And um, those kind of uh, forums things just don't seem to get as much traffic. I remember it was a long time before we saw dudes post and stuff up there again. Steven, are you able to go push talk for me, please? Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, So, yeah, um, let's go ahead. Andrew, what are things outside of the hobby that you do for people who don't know? You do a lot of stuff, don't you? So we talked about Oz Thirty K for a second, but what else is it that you've done? You know, as if as if I don't know. I'm I'm not being a terrible interviewer. I swear to God, uh, I just want to set up as if people who maybe don't know you what, what your um, hobby resume looks like.
1: <laughs> my my biggest uh, like in the hobby is kind of uh, seeing the community grow. Um, so I, I kind of get obsessed on doing things, um, to make sure that they, they get used by others. So as you said, like the Oz30k website, was a community wiki to help host stuff. I do a lot of event running. Um, I helped, uh, set up a number of campaigns around, um, East coast of Australia and that sort of stuff. Um, am I'm, I'm in the midst of writing, um, some great crusade Xenos uh, codexes uh, like Eldari and Necrons. Um, I run periodic Kickstarter campaigns for um, models um, to, to represent uh, agents and that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, the list goes on.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, amazing stuff. So from what I know that you've influenced uh, Richmond 30K on, uh, has been Oz30K, of course. When we did our D4-3 campaign, you were able to set up things like uh, a planet for us on the page. Um, then you also did uh, the dog tag system. Excuse me one second. That was you, if I'm not mistaken. You did like a Kickstarter for the dog tag system. And... uh we kicked in for that, and we got, I think, like 50 dog tags sent out. And it took us a good while, a couple of events, to finally you know, hand them all out. And now that they are all handed out, people will constantly come up and be like, hey, if we still have those dog tags, are they still worth the bonus? So, yeah, absolutely. They're still worth the bonus if you still have them, you know?
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, the the dog tags were certainly something that evolved quite quickly from the first incarnation of oz 30 k um, so it was it was something that we labelled the Battle Honours system. Um, so rather than kind of try to create a, a campaign character progression system or something like that, we thought it would be a little cooler to have an event token that would kind of be attached to the army that the people used for that event, and it will give them some um, veteran benefits So depending on what events that they went to, they would get just a small buff, like a a plus one to a dice roll, or um, some bonus cover saves or re-rolls and that sort of stuff. Um, And it would also be a bit of a collection of the events and the campaigns that that particular army had been to. So if you use a different army for an event, that tag is then attached to that army. And we also have strongly encouraged people that if they kind of sell or otherwise move the army, they give the dog tags with that army cuz it's it's part of that army type.
2: Thing. And, oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. We yeah, uh so, weren't yeah. aware of that actually. So <laughs> we ran it a little different. But yeah, go ahead continue. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, yeah, like people can run it however they like. Uh, it it's it's evolved differently in some areas. Um, and it it certainly was a teething issue so like we it was working quite well for some of the local games and then um popularity became really big for campaigns and we were running nearly um a campaign day kind of every three or four weeks and so the number of dog tags that were being handed out just went through the roof so it's been a trial and error but it's still a very popular um addition to a lot of events we we still move a lot of dog tags usually maybe 12 to 1500 tags a year
2: Wow, that is outstanding to hear because it really is a fun system. uh I'll give you the example of what we use it for uh, if you still have your your dog tag uh because we we did that a couple years ago, I think two years ago maybe so I'm impressed four, uh, four minutes for- yeah yeah about three yeah um and if you still have that dog tag, you get an ability once per game at any of our events called bear blades. And uh Bear Blades is pretty cool. What it does is it uh you pick an entire unit and every model in that unit gets to make a uh strength user was it what was it against Steven?
0: It was everybody gets their chain swords or regular close combat weapons replaced with bear blades, which are strength user, um A P two, instant death, a reaping blow.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so it's a it's a once per game thing, and it's been hilarious to see a twenty man tactical squad all of a sudden get the bear blades put on them uh, and, just and just decimate. You know, <laughs> it's just for one battle turn or, or one uh, round of combat or whatever. But it is just hilarious when somebody tries to stomp on some what what is it like dark fairies or whatever? They'll try to charge in a twenty man tactical squad and just get stomped by tactical. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they're they're not two handed either, if I recall correctly. So you get the co- you you get a bucket load of attacks with them because they get their attack for charging, they get their one attack, they get another attack for having the bear blade and a pistol, and then they get another attack for a reaping blow. So it's just like, oh wow, you guys have a lot of AP two instant death
1: hits.
2: Yeah, and it's definitely fun when uh, that kind of stuff goes on simultaneously because you don't know if you know your opponent's going to drop their bl- or bare blade uh, honor marking right then either. But if you both do, then it's just hilarious, you know. Everybody just removes models at once. Um, but yeah, so the the dog tech system has been awesome, and it is a great way to like sh- show our newer guys the benefits of staying in the community and attending these events. When you get more of this kind of stuff
1: that's awesome yeah we've um we've definitely found a, a lot of the campaigns kind of pick it up and keep it and um, like there's a lot of regular events in Europe and the u s that that use the tags um, there's a, a fair few East Coast and South Australia events that use them as well, uh, which is good um, as long as it doesn't get carried away and people kind of keep in the spirit of it it's always the uh, the, the first thing I'll tell people is that it's that they're meant to be something fun and kind of chatty and uh, nothing that breaks a game uh yeah. so definitely people trying to put together combinations with half a dozen different tags to create these ridiculously powerful combos like, yeah no nah, don't do that man
2: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that hadn't even i guess yeah there probably would be people out there there's always people like that whenever you're hosting events are found um well, usually those are the ones I like the most because they're the ones who will point out the flaws before I host the event. Uh, for example, I was doing Tactical Strike last year for Nova, and uh, somebody pointed out, hey, you said you can only have one character, but Tech Marines aren't characters. And I was like, oh, thank you for pointing that out in advance before somebody tries to run an entire army of Tech Marines.
1: Yeah, it definitely helps having some of those Um uh, they're not competitive players, but they can switch between competitive and narrative. Uh, and you kind of go, all right, switch competitive mode on, have a look at this scenario. Can you break it for me? No. Yes. Fantastic. Thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned some other stuff, uh, or rather I did. Um, but, uh, these miniatures, right? You're doing a Kickstarter right now with these miniatures. Um, how did that all start? If I remember, it was the Envoy. Was that the first one I saw? He he yeah, looked like a right. tiny knight dude with like a little energy shield and a longsword.
1: Yeah, so the kind of the first one that we did was a little bit of a side project, and it wasn't done through Kickstarter. I just kind of funded it myself just to see how it'd go. Um I felt the the, the Questorius army was kind of a little bit lacking and so, we made some custom agents and uh, for for that particular army, and kind of out of that we had a, an idea for a model which was the Questorus envoy, which is just basically a um like an armored knight who's a representative of the house and he allies with your army and you just get some small buffs um so the model was kind of taken elements from the uh the the especially the um the Lancer's uh, Ion Shield. So the the shield is supposed to look like a little Ion Shield, which I think he pulled it off quite nicely. Um, and that was used for Active Heresy 3 as an event model, um, and then it became General Sale.
2: Gotcha. Do you host uh, Active Heresy?
1: Yeah, Active Heresy is kind of my annual um, big event that I started. So this is the fourth year that it'll run. Um, so. When I started running 30K events, basically when book one dropped, um, we slowly started building up a a community for the events, and Act of Heresy was the the first big event that I started running, and I'm just kind of continually trialing new things, like different swag, different um, formats, and that sort of stuff, and the the event model was something that I've always been a fan of from uh, Forge World, uh, and I wanted to try and... See how the reception was, and the the night envoy was quite well received um, We then ran a, a Kickstarter for the unarmored marines, um, which is kind of more for dioramas and points of interest and that sort of stuff rather than actual gameplay because they're basically naked marines in loincloths um, and then this particular Kickstarter is what I'm hoping to become kind of an annual event own or event model uh, so it's a, a Nighthouse engineer or a quest or a sacristan uh, and there's two poses one for general sale and one for event exclusives for eos and i was going to say if the project's successful but it has it got funded in the first 24 hours which is fantastic thank you for everyone um, so from there we'll we'll try and make like a, an annual model so each year we'll have a different model for event organizers to get hold of and use as player swag
2: dude yes that is amazing i love that concept and i gotta say thank you from the community because i know our dudes here we have other guys who run um events besides myself uh david dennett for one he is super hyped about this and i am just as excited to see what comes of this and Knowing that it has been successful, I am very eager to see what else comes in the future.
1: Yeah, it's um, there's there's a few plans, and um, it's the repertoire of things are starting to build up. So it's good. We've got the dog tags, we've got decals, we've got patches. Um, now we've got the models. Um, 3D printing is opening up a whole new thing. I did um, some custom uh, objective kind of terrain an Adeptus Titanicus event up in Canada. Um, so the, the ability to do 3D design and then 3D print it and then cast it in resin at such a low um, volume but still make it affordable to events is just opening up so many opportunities. Um, so it, it's a really, really kind of fun time.
2: Yeah, I'm... I feel like I started coming in at this when we, I say we, I mean, you were getting the ball rolling and, you know, Eye of Horus podcast was getting out there and right before Betrayal of Calf came out and to see how much just the global community has grown and to see how much of your work has inspired other people without them probably even knowing that you inspired them to do something. You know, they just saw somebody else who was doing it. And was like, hey man, that's totally cool. I love this this dog tag idea. Maybe I can do something like with dice though, or with patches and or whatever, you know. So hugely influential. And thank you for everything you've done. Um, so yeah, that that's good. Is there anything else uh, aside from the community that you might do outside of the hobby that's still kind of hobby related? Do you like do sketches or or draw uh, or anything like that?
1: No, my, my artistic skills are, are quite lacking. In fact, um, I'm, I don't even paint. I I, I don't have uh, a skilled painting bone in my body and I've got no inclination to try and learn. I just I don't find it fun. I, I really enjoy running events and throwing dice when I can. Um, so all of my arm is I, I have to get other people to paint for me. Um, so most of my hobby stuff is... Uh, Running events, coming up with scenarios, coming up with campaign styles, um, uh, kind of trying to maintain Oz30K, that's been on the back burner a little bit, Um, and kind of writing fan stuff. So most of my energies at the moment are are going into, well, prepping for Act of Heresy, which is in a bit over a week. Um, Yeah. Back into the, the Great Crusade Codexes, which I'm kind of trying to do Great Crusade Xenos Um, for for 30k, we've got a lot of players who uh, have only got Xenos armies, they're not really interested in 8th edition Um, and we've got a lot of players who are are keen to introduce them into Great Crusade scenarios rather than actual Horus Heresy scenarios.
2: Absolutely man Um, I heard also through the Grapevine that you did uh, the Epic rules, is that correct?
1: No, that might have been somebody else. Um, I've always been interested in, in Epic, but um, I've really only just kind of dipped my toe in with Adeptus Titanicus. Um, there was a very big movement in South Australia, um, and I'm pretty sure they're the guys that made, um, like, NetEpic, um, because Epic 30K is is quite still strong. At CanCon coming up in a couple of weeks, they've, they've still got, like, over a dozen players coming and all that sort of stuff, so... Again, um, yeah. Uh, I think it's an Australian rules, but I wasn't involved. I'm not taking credit for that one.
2: <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Well, I appreciate that, because we were having a discussion last night on our cast, and we couldn't remember... We we knew you had done uh, some Xeno rules, or were in the process of it, um, but then somebody brought up well, maybe he did the uh, the epic rules. So, yeah. Well, thank you for clearing that up. Um. Yeah. So, let's go ahead and Replug that stuff. So you have active heresy coming up, right? You have the Kickstarter coming up, which, well, I mean, it's already live, um, and it's already fully funded, which is great. Uh, what other stuff do you said you have going? You, had, you said you had the Crusade rules. Is there anything else we should be on the lookout for from you in the future, sir?
1: Um, we we definitely got a couple of things. We're, we've got the the Craft World Elder. Crusade rules are virtually done. Um, Necron um, Crusade rules are very close, and then we've started work on Dark Eldar. We're then planning Orcs, uh, Exodite, and uh, Corsair Eldar, but that's going to be over the course of probably a year or two. Um, Event-wise, as you said, we've got Active Heresy. Um, We'll then be launching a local campaign in Canberra uh, that runs monthly, Um, but probably something that uh, will... Impact your listeners a little bit more is there's there's a group of us planning a uh, a big global campaign event weekend um, later on this year. Um, I'm going to kind of let some of the other podcasts make big announcements about that, but we're we're trying to put together a bit of a an event that was similar to um, what was called um, the Big Game for Apocalypse, where over one weekend every group or every person who wanted to take part around the world would play their games and report them centrally. And all of those results around the world would then determine what happens to the campaign. So we're in the midst of
2: trying to blend. Outstanding. Yes. Let us know when that happens. We will definitely jump on board. Um, outstanding, man. Thank you. Uh, one, one last question. Uh, so you have run campaigns. Do you ever use the uh, campaigns from the black books?
1: Um, when I first started running campaigns, and our player group was kind of half a dozen, we, we certainly did um, from book one to that sort of stuff. But what we what we quickly found was that the 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 structure of the campaigns were really aimed at some garage gaming, so half a dozen or less players playing over the course of a weekend. We found that if you extended that across to six months or even a twelve month campaign, uh, and and or increase the the numbers up to twenty or thirty um, it broke down a little bit it didn't work as well so most of our campaigns are kind of custom made and kind of tweaked from year to year as as we kind of find different methods of running it um, each each time a new black book comes out we'll kind of take elements of that particular campaign yep. out of it
2: gotcha um, yep that's exactly what we do uh, it works just to be able to cannibalize things you want, right? It's great.
1: Yeah, that's right. It, it, you don't kind of feel constrained to run the campaign as it is in the book. Uh, as I said, those campaigns are fantastic if you if you're just muck and ran with a group of mates, beer and pretzels in the garage. But if you are trying to run an actual club campaign over a period of time, often you'll need something a little bit more robust uh, or a simpler mechanic uh, to ensure that People enjoy themselves, and that it's kind of fair as well as enjoyable.
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, anything else you want to plug or anything like that before we move on?
1: No, I think that's good. Uh, thank you for the the, the airtime to plug the the Kickstarter. Much appreciate it. But always just happy to talk about hobby. And uh, if if anybody kind of needs help with running events or running campaigns. Uh, or growing community and that sort of stuff i'm always happy to kind of chat um and flick messages so if people do want ideas or bounce ideas off me they're more than welcome to kind of flick me a facebook message or when i 30k or direct to me
2: outstanding well thank you very much and yeah you may be hearing from us i mean if you open up uh pandora's box like that man we may throw you some missions our way especially i got a uh, zone more event coming up for nova that i'm hosting and uh this is my first, it's not my first ZM event ever, but it's my first large scale ZM event. I think last time they had 40 some players. I've never done a ZM event with like f- more than 15. So we'll see how things work. I still want to have tables, you know, interact with each other, but at that larger scale, I don't know if they'll be able to. But uh, yeah, we will see what happens.
1: Awesome. Cheers. Zone Mortalis is one of my favorite formats. That's <laughs> Yeah, it's it's
2: insane how popular it is. Like as soon as those tickets went up, it was the first one to sell out, I think the same day. And uh, then they added more tickets. And the same day they added those tickets, those sold out too. And that was last year. Um, And it was super popular. I lost every single game. Uh, I played Mech and I brought, you know, and I was like, I'm totally going to stomp everybody, man. I'm I'm a big, scary robot. Nobody's going to touch me. I went up against everybody who had chain fists and were higher initiatives somehow. And I just got stomped into dirt. Hilarious. Broke the meadow.
1: Yeah. Small, small armies make it easier for people to travel. Uh, the games normally smashed out faster. Uh, it's a little less serious because things can be so brutal. Um, so it's again, a little bit more of a beer and pretzels game. Uh, and it's just so unique. Uh, 30K has made Zone Mortalis such a a fantastic format. It was available before 30K, obviously. It was a 40K format released from um, an Imperial Armor book, but it it never caught on. And 30K just made it the kind of uh, identifiable format for for 30K. It's fantastic alongside...
2: Yeah, because I think what made it such like that was it could be the interior of an Imperial ship. And being in an Imperial Civil War... I mean, it could be... It's hard to want to own a Zone Mortalis board, I think, if you're a Net player, right? Because you're like, you might love the format, but it it doesn't look like that. And, of course, then you start seeing people who do their own conversions in that. But I think most players are just going to see Zone Mortalis for the board and assume, like, well, it should be fought on Imperial Starships or Subsectors or whatever. Or not Subsectors, Subterranean.
1: Yeah, and that's the other good thing uh that's kind of augmented that format is over the past two years the amount of uh things that you can use for zone more boards now has just gone through the roof so like there's so many walls out there either mdf resin 3d print um then there's the bases necromunda tiles mats um 3d printed tiles um there's just so many ways that people can make cheaper Zone Mortalis boards that don't have to rely on the Forge World ones. But there's so many Forge World ones out there. Um, I think at last act, we had uh, like a 16 by 16 um, uh, Zone Mortalis equivalent table. We had so many Zone Mortalis tables using. Oh,
2: that's mortalis. awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Well, all right. Um, thank you very much again, Andrew. We'll be uh, moving on next with uh, the other Aussie who has decided to join us, Alex. Alex. Hello. What have you got going on this week in the hobby? And then, follow up, what is it that you enjoy to do that is outside of the realm of a typical hobby?
3: This week is mostly panic painting, trying to get everything up to scratch for Andrew's act of heresy next week.
2: Yes. Yeah, that is always... It's always the week before you start doing the panic painting, man. I don't know why. I plan out entire year before Nova. And every time before Nova, I still panic paint.
3: You get so much more done, though. And I reckon if we had more events, I'd get more done, because you're always in a panic mode for every event. But uh, yeah, I've mostly, mostly got that done. I'm going to get some Legio Mortis to try for the first night, see if I've got... can get that tabletop. Um, I'm because I'm still relatively new to the 30A hobby, I haven't had the opportunity much to step outside sort of traditional make stuff, paint stuff, game stuff. Um, there's stuff I want to start getting into this year, which is starting to help organize. And then, you know, once you start reading the law, you can always come up with um, neat scenarios and neat campaign ideas and event ideas. And I don't mechanize them, or I haven't yet, because I just don't have the... Particular experience, but that's something that I want to start getting into because even if it's you know a couple of games of um, with your friends on a on a Thursday night, um, I'm reading Cybernetica at the moment, and the opening is Tech Marines being uh, attacked by Skullface Skitari riding Valkyries, and they're all armed with phased plasma fusils, and some little um, skirmish scenario of a group of Tech Marine trainees trying to Pot off to Skatari and, and get out of there and get the message out. That kind of thing would be really fun to to run. Um, so I've got grand plans, but nothing really. I haven't done anything yet.
2: No, hey, that's fine, man. I mean, if you're if you're still getting into it, you're getting into it. But uh, no, that's what we, we're doing this for. So you can learn. I guess not learn, but you know, maybe you didn't know that there were other aspects of the hobby besides rolling dice in there. So. The fact you're already thinking about doing these little event campaigns, even if it's just with like a one-off friend like Steven and I, the first quote campaign I ever did was Steven and I pre-wrote missions for each other. And depending on who won the battle, the other person would have to play that person's mission. Yeah, we had like a little uh, decision tree, sort of exactly yeah so like if player a wins this then player b gets to choose one of these two options and that was our first ever which is you know me and him and it only grew from there uh so yeah man as as long as you I'm got that you. fire in your soul but uh just said, man, it, man.
3: go ahead i'm sorry you go, mate. go ahead alex I was going to say I might have to to grab that off you. I've got a friend who's um working a lot on First Legion, um, and I'm I'm trying to get him into 30k. His his thing in 40k was um the Fallen, so he's tried to focus on all the older marks of armor and stuff, and trying to get him to 30k. Um, he's starting work on on Eldar, and hopefully this year when Andrew's got the um the Great Crusade Eldar codex, I can drag him in. But that kind of one v one campaign is something that a lot of people should have a look at because it is it it doesn't require you to to map out you know 12 months with 30 people at an event or anything crazy Um, the other thing that we're actually going to start doing is zone mortalis doesn't have eighth edition rules at the moment so he and i are going to start on saturday trying to work out how to get the sort of frantic panic lethal combat that happens in zone mortalis how to translate to, to eighth edition and that's already a challenge. Um, It didn't occur to me before, but it's the sort of, if you like something from one system, whether or not it's, if you like something from 8th edition that's not in 30K or vice versa, or if you like really like um, the command point, the stratagem system from Age of Sigma or something from uh, Infinity, if that inspires you, come up with a cool idea and talk to your friends and try and go, how can we fit this into our... 30k games
2: yeah absolutely um i'm doing a Vigilist defiant campaign here also uh just to get my toes wet and get the uh the 40k community here less uh competitive and more narrative driven so i'm trying with this i got a lot of interested people a lot of people have you know uh tentatively signed up and uh yeah i for the missions i'm just like let's Let's go through all of the past books that we had and pull out shit that we loved from other books. Like we can use Vigilist Defiant Missions. Yes, it's a good system they put together. But being able to pull out old stuff like uh, Virus Bomb. What where, where, where was it in um, 30K? I think it was book two where it had um, The Mysterious Terrain. Andrew, do you remember what that was? Where you'd you'd roll a table and maybe it would be a bunker that was exposed to a virus bomb, or maybe it would be a bunker that had survivors in it, and you would get extra marines and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I think that was also part of the the thing that triggered the points of interest um, as well from Ive Horus was yeah the the mysterious terrain that you'd go up there or mysterious objectives uh, and it would be random.
2: Yeah, think mechanics like that. I want to bring into forty k and show people that. It really can be a hectic and still fun and completely unbalanced in most cases, but still be fun, you know what I mean? So yeah, Alex, if you got that idea, man, go for it. You also mentioned, I think you said terrain, right?
3: Yeah, I've got three tables planned this year. I'm going to make up a Forge World, make up a, a, a Grave Moon, um, and then try and finish off my Zone Mortalis. And it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of part of, you know, your stereotypical part of the hobby of, of make and play, but um, I think a lot of people, at least from the outside, don't think of what you're doing to to get those people on the table. Like, where did the table come from? Um, I just really want to get it because, I mean, I've, I've mostly finished my Mechanicus and my Mechanicum, um, and if I can bring three tables to an event, that might be, you know, it's less hassle on the, the coordinator. It's more people that can come. Um, and it's more people that get to punch my phallax in the face and, and have man, a laugh about it.
2: It's all happy days, right, man? Yeah. Awesome. Outstanding. Uh, anything else then you want to add, Alex?
3: Have a chat to your local, like coordinated, coordinated type person. Like if you're in the Richmond area, have a talk to you guys. Um, if you're in Canberra, there's ACT um, Narrative Gaming Group or Andrew, because um I mean I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I haven't had a chat to, to Andrew, but they might go, well, here's something that I'm kind of thinking of, but can I don't really have time for it at the moment. What do you think about putting your hand up?
2: Yeah, Put your I've hand done up that your, quite
3: often. And see what you can do.
2: I've done that quite often where I just am like, hey, um anybody have an idea? Because we're 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 slotted. I try to do one event every quarter, and uh, recently, starting like last year, I was like, hey, does anybody have an idea? And people were raising their hands like, I totally have an idea. And I'm like, fuck, take the lead. I'll help out in any way you want. If you need tables or terrain or whatever, let me know. But yeah, Alex nailed it, man. If you have an idea, go talk to somebody you know who's an EO and just ask them to tutor you or... uh, you know, see if they have any tips or whatever, man. That's that's. You can find somebody who will like do all the work for you, and uh, you just come up with the ideas. That's perfect.
1: Yes, coming from someone who's been running events for nearly a decade for forty k, apoc and thirty k, I don't think there's a single EO out there that will kind of go, uh, no, get stuffed. I, I don't want your help or involvement. <laughs> it's it's so yeah. rare that yeah. people come up and go hey, I can help or I've got an idea or do you want me to run next quarter or or something like that? It's, uh, yeah, nobody will say no. They will give you your assistance. They they will help everywhere. And as Alex has said, like, people making terrain now and tables, that is such a help for the local community and, like, EOs running events. Once a community gets up to a dozen players, you're looking at six tables uh you 24 um 36 we we were running events for 36 to 40 people on a monthly basis um kind of getting terrain and tables for that started proving really
3: really difficult
2: yeah i can imagine that is a lot of people uh that's a lot of work man I, i i'm happy when we have you know 15 to 20 people show up i'm i'm ecstatic here in richmond but uh maybe it's just because 30k is much much bigger than it is out there than it I mean it's still big in the states right but i feel like it is super huge out in uh ozland
1: it's certainly popular and um we obviously don't have the the population density that you guys do um but what what made ours so so big for a period of time was that um canberra next to brisbane was kind of the first areas that were running organized events and then uh i went up to sydney which is only two and a half hours away uh and we helped kick start the um the group up there run by liago and then that following year their group exploded and because it was only two and a half hours apart the two groups basically played in the same campaign so the sydney crowd would just do a massive road trip come down for um, the, the campaign day, and yeah, we would literally have 30 to 40 players on a monthly campaign day. It wasn't a yeah. special, it's just campaign day.
2: That sounds a lot like what uh, Richmond 30k and Maryland 30k are turning into. Uh, we're definitely they'll they'll post events on our page, we'll go down to there. Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping 10 years from now we'll be in your guys' shoes with fuck tons of people rolling dice, everybody having fun. They both have bars right next to them, so that's what's great. The gaming stores both have bars, so you just walk right over there and uh, pregame. It's enabling
0: multiple types of bad habits. It
2: is, man. Like, every pregame, I go there, and I get two double shots of Jack and a tall ale, and I'm just like, yeah, let's get started. And that's at Wait, dang, 10.30. That's why,
0: that's why you're so happy that's at what, every event? That's
2: at 10.30 you're in the morning. Toasted. <laughs> yeah, ten thirty in the morning, and I'm already like that. And I'm like, let's just fucking set up terrain, dude. And I'm just yelling at people. I'm like, find a theme, and you better make that ter- that whole table match that theme that you're going for. People just scrambling, trying to, you know, they're coming up with themes real quick, trying to match terrain. It's great.
1: It. I know some people don't like like having the alcohol at the the venue and that sort of stuff, but just having drinks and food like a bistro or something like that, or that environment helps with setting a narrative event, in my opinion, so well because it, it relaxes people, irrelevant of whether they're drinking alcohol or, or not. Um, just that environment, um, I find, augments the, the, the atmosphere of the, the games and that sort of stuff. It's, it's certainly one of the key considerations that I look at when I'm looking for venues is can the players get a nice drink and a nice meal? on site without having to kind of leave the venue, come back later and that sort of stuff. And it it certainly, in my opinion, helps um, a a hell of a lot.
2: Absolutely. All right. Uh, Steven, let's move on. What do you do that is still hobby-related but not necessarily what people think of when they think of the hobby? Um, I like to
0: put an absurd amount of detail into background that no one will ever know except me.
2: That's Yeah, you go as far as you you name characters down to the levels yeah, of sergeants. There's a...
0: Yeah, there's um oh, I I mean to be fair, Sergeant Frogfist started as a joke because his hand looks like a frog, but then it just stuck. So that's who he is forever now. Um yeah, I like to I like to borrow from a or not necessarily borrow from, but I like to base a lot of uh unit be- unit fluff on like mythology and stuff uh all of my legio sutravora titans for instance are named after uh various fire gods and fire demons so i like to find little details like that and just forcibly shove them onto other people um cuz you know the only mm-hmm. thing better than other people knowing you're a nerd because you play a tabletop game is them squinting at some tiny little detail on a model and knowing that it goes so much deeper than that.
2: Yeah. When they find out like, Oh, I knew you were a nerd, but I had no idea you were this deep into your nerdism. Right?
0: Yeah. Like you're not a cool nerd anymore. You're, you might have a
2: problem. You've crossed the realm. Uh, Now (laughs) you've also done like you. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Steven is our go-to guy to write uh, narratives for our events we'll come to Steven, we'll say, hey, this is the idea for the event. It'll be two ships, uh, both boarding, uh, give us a faction, give us a, a plot and a narrative from there. We A lot of the time, our guys will have ideas for scenarios and missions, and Steven will take these, these fever dreams that people have and turn them into actual narratives, which is really fun.
0: Yeah, fun fact, uh, when... The first time that Heresy thirty K or Heresy Online, I don't remember what the site was called. I think we agreed it was Heresy thirty K, right?
2: Yeah, no, it's Heresy thirty K. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When they put out their first call to the whole forum that was like, Hey, write us the plot for a campaign so that we can run us through like the rest of the year, the rest of the summer, or however long that was. Uh they ended up picking mine. So that was
2: fun. Yeah, it was a really good one. So Yeah um, boy. But apart
0: from writing stuff, I, uh, and along with Austin and Dave, uh, make up the three writers for Battlefleet Heresy. Uh, we we do all the homebrew for that. And we actually just put the third edition of that rule set out. So that was fun. Um, but usually whenever I'm sitting around, I've got nothing else to do. I'll whip out Google Documents and start tinkering with Battlefleet Heresy rules, figuring out how I can make them more needlessly complicated. <laughs>
2: That's always fun. Just more complicated, more layers of redundant rules.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just um, the best part is when you read through a document that nominally three other people were supposed to read and edit. And like they did. And then you realize you have like three versions of the same rule under three different names.
2: You're like, oh, we all had the same idea. Now let's let's make it a little bit more concise. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Just like, wow, really glad that all three of us caught that. But that's mostly it. It's just uh, homebrewing and writing stuff. Uh, I'm not much of a. I'm not organized enough to run an event myself. Although I'm gonna try to change that in June.
2: Yeah. Um, Are you? You want to talk about that?
0: Um, Yeah, sure. It's the. It's something that I've actually wanted to do for a while. Uh, But the very first event that we did here in Richmond for D43 uh, was a mega battle that we called uh Grey Worm manufactorum i think it yep. might have been Siege the uh, battle of
2: yeah it was a manufactorum that created um lost S D S C T sct sort of prototype weapons that weren't uh, mainlined yet
0: yeah it was it was it was important uh and at the end of that battle it was blown up because that's what happens Uh, We might have had to drop a moon on it to do it, but we did it. Well, yeah, it
2: wasn't at the end of that battle. It was three months later on in the campaign. And uh, yeah, we had to drop a moon in it. Had to.
0: Yep, it had to be done. Um, So the event that I'm running is actually the sequel to that event. Uh, Everyone's going back to the blasted out ruins of what's left, because again, a moon got dropped on it uh because turns out there were a whole bunch of super heavies underneath just like kind of mothballed surplus i've always liked the idea that the imperium has like continent sized warehouses just full of stuff that's not being used
2: yeah they just don't have enough i mean they have a vast number of people but they don't have an infinite number of people to you know pilot all this stuff who knows
0: uh so it was so it was nights uh, there was a whole like night house worth of nights being stored under the factory. They were just waiting for you know some planet or some house that needed them uh the dark mechanicum found them and decided to put demons inside because uh they didn't have enough people to pilot them, but they sure had a whole hell of a lot of demons so the the event the theme for the event is stop the stop these horrible demon monsters from coming out of the ground and now
2: just to ask i guess are you using the 7th edition demon knight rules
0: um not really because i don't really like them that much uh they are pretty much limited exclusively to the knight crusader or paladin so just battle cannon chainsword and i myself have five chaos knights so essentially what i'm going to do is for the demon knights use the knights as they exist Gatling cannons, thermal cannons, all that fun stuff, uh, and just give them the demon rule. And they're like, it's a demon now. Have fun. Oh, so it's it'll
2: have the invul or anything? Are you going to be with any yeah, of the so... uh, like the marks or whatever? Um, no, Do not you really. The marks really affect them, right? Because like the marks would give like a feel no pain, and a, a tank can't or a vehicle can't take feel no pain, right?
0: I, I don't remember if you could mark Chaos Knights. I know you could give them demonic allegiances and it would um it would kind of change the way they behave but I don't remember precisely but no, I'm not going to do that simply to keep it simple and also because the finer art of binding demons to things things hasn't quite been nailed down yet as of the 31st millennium
2: very true, thank you for uh, honoring the fluff there I appreciate that yeah, well, you know me <laughs>
3: Um, Very, really cool.
2: Very cool. Well, guys, uh, thank you all for being on. These episodes usually are under an hour, 45 minutes, something like that. So we are right at the mark where we should be. Uh, we'll go ahead and close out again. Uh, one more chance in case you didn't get to plugs. Does anybody have anything they wish to plug?
3: I think uh, Andrew and I would both like to anti-plug summer at the moment.
2: Yeah, yeah I hear it's a yeah, blistering it's 100.
3: Uh, 40, well, yeah, I don't know if it's
1: in Fahrenheit, but 40, 41 degrees Celsius is way too hot anyway.
2: No, see, that's the problem, Andrew, man. They don't even have, like, a conversion for Fahrenheit when it gets that hot. They just say error. That's it. That's all, our, that's yeah, all we get is that's, error.
0: We mostly just compare it to the surface of the sun. And or Satan's asshole, whichever seems mm-hmm. most appropriate.
2: Yeah, hotter than Satan's is <laughs> One you hear quite often. Hundred and six. Christ, man. Good. Are you... So, Alex, you said you weren't really even able to paint. Um, that's great. That's rough, man. To like have your whole hobby time like time blocked like that, right? Or
3: time gated. Yeah, but the paint think. paints just the paints just drying on the brush, so that's um, painful.
2: Very cool. So, uh, from Alex, uh, fuck you, Summer, go away. Um, you know, here in Richmond, we'd like it back, so come on, man, what are you waiting for?
0: Yeah, that's the truth. I'm so tired of being cold.
2: Alright, Andrew, anything you uh, else want to plug?
1: No, I'm all good. Thanks, guys. Much appreciate the um, the plugs and the, the interview, and congratulations on building such a, a fantastic community. Look forward to it.
2: See really happened, appreciate TV. it, and thank you for everything uh, and being just such a badass dude, man. Just really cool dude. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and uh, be interviewed by me, uh, if you want to call it an interview. Uh, not really good at it, so we'll see, man. Uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, it's been great, and uh, all right. Thank you. Steven, anything uh, can I anti plug winter? Yeah, go for it, man. We've yeah. already we're already Fuck on that high. Yeah,
0: We'd like summer more. Quit snowing on us, man. Get get out of here.
2: Yep, with we're we're, we're we're a uh, we're a weather podcast now, guys. Uh, talk about the weather, cold, hot. We don't like it either way.
0: I predict weather for the next twelve months.
2: Very good. All right. Uh, so with that from the Artificer Unplugged. Thank you, and have a good night. Bye.
3: Bye, guys. See you later.
2: Take it easy. Thank you very much, Andrew, for coming on.
1: No worries. Thanks, guys. Uh, as I said, if you got any questions or need help, just give us a bell.